Hello, and welcome to Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the kid with the hum and the drum, Alessandro hey. Bielsi. Say hello, Al. <laughs> hello. Today, we're going to be discussing Baby Driver, but first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking beer to drink. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're gonna drink Nailed music it. too. Uh, it's just such a perfect line to start it off. We're drinking Dogfish Head's Beer to Drink Music 2 2017 Tropical Blonde. It's a liquid soundtrack for welcoming warmer weather. Our Blonde Ale is a music inspired tropical mashup brewed with kiwi juice and hibiscus flowers. Got that hibiscus, so, um, I, I I saw this and I kind of figured it was perfect for Baby Driver, um, considering it's a liquid soundtrack and that movie's soundtrack is important to it, mm. its operation. So indeed, cheers, cheers. Hmm, that is quite good. That's uh, that's unique. It is. That is de- they're very different. That's. It's it is juice. refreshing. <laughs> it is refreshing, but um, I'm guessing it must be the hibiscus that's a little bit uh, surprising to me. That little uh, little fuzzy feeling on the tongue there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure how to. I can definitely catch the kiwi in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how to describe it, but there's that. I'm not really used to kind of herbal notes like that in beers yet. I haven't had a ton sure. like that. Um, so I also have uh, on the uh, box that it came in uh, just a few notes. That's their words, not mine. That's great. Uh, best... <laughs> Love it. <laughs> best served in a pint glass. Call it like it is. Oh, it... I could have read that to me before I poured it. Well, you didn't ask. You monster. That's <laughs> like you don't have a pint glass either. No, um, actually, I you know I couldn't see because it's an amber bottle, but um, most. Times uh, Blondales, a lot of times will have um, like a wheat component, and this is a glass for wheat beers, and mm-hmm. it's not doesn't have that hazy characteristic. So I'm guessing there is, in fact, no wheat in there. Gotcha. So uh, the appearance is pinkish red with a white head. The aroma is tropical fruit, citrus, and floral. That checks out. Yep, definitely. The flavors are juicy tropical fruit. And citrus with hints of grapefruit. Yeah. And food pairings. Not that either of us is eating at the moment, but Dogfish Head's really big. Thought you were going to say dog food. No, no, no. no, That's where this is going. (laughs) No, no, not dog food. Dogfish. Dogfish Head. uh, One of my favorite breweries. Um, One that I visited uh, just over a year ago. No, wait. Two years ago? Last year. Last summer. (laughs) Um. Food pairings. They say caprese salad, grilled white fish, berry cobbler, and fresh mozzarella. Okay. Go for some berry cobbler with my right? with my fruity beer over here. This is pretty good. I like it. I, I it's not something that I'm gonna drink more than one of in a sitting. No, but this would be nice, like, you know, I'm thinking like five or six o'clock in like the summer or the spring, yeah. sit outside in the sun and drink one of these. Or at the sunset. Which yeah, is five kind or six of what o'clock. this is looking looking like. Five or six o'clock. I guess that's a little early than the sunset <laughs> is right now. I guess maybe seven or eight o'clock would be better. But you, you kind of get the gist. I get you. I get you. I want to try it with some of those food pairings. Delightful. 
Yeah, it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing now, and um, and Dogfish Head's trying to be one of the uh, the champions of it, having um, really like forthcoming with food pairings for their beer because mm. that's one of the things that makes wine such a popular drink, right? Is how right. you know you're gonna sit down, you're gonna eat something, you're gonna drink something that goes along with it, and beer is just as viable for that, but um, it's not viewed that way, and they're they're trying to change that perception. There's a, a place of this city I've gone to with a few friends called uh, Sweet Revenge, and it's they do cupcake and beer pairings or cupcake and wine pairings depending on your appetite okay. or thirst. <laughs> uh, but the it, I never thought that a beer could go so well with a cupcake. It was amazing. <laughs> I'll be I'm right there with you. I wouldn't have uh, anticipated that either. It was a, it was a whole experience. The beer was in this fancy ass glass that was like made for the beer. And you couldn't put the glass down. It had like a little holder that it came in. It looked okay. like a beaker with a, a bowl bottom. It's very interesting. Very interesting. It's delicious. Oh, I'm sure. Delicious. Yeah, I am. Um... Right up your alley. <laughs> you know, um, on account of it I'm... being beer. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, anything beer related, <laughs> there's, a, there's a good chance that uh, I'll be interested. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest, food pairing is is a blind spot for me for beer. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm still very much in like the nascent stages of learning about that. The one thing that I know is red meat and IPAs um, pair very well. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. I don't think I've ever really attempted to to drink some specific beer with food. Wine, yeah, sure, but... Instead of um, breaking out a red wine the next time you have a steak, try uh, like an, a good IPA. Yeah, will do. Will do. Give that a go next time around. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other uh, I guess I'll take this opportunity now, especially because I kind of struggled to get that word out there. Uh, well, yeah, the yeah out. Um, apologize to our listeners for my sexy, raspy voice. You sound I, uh, exactly the same to me. Do I? Because yeah. I, it doesn't feel the same, and people have been asking <laughs> me about what's wrong with my voice for the past, like, five days, and we'll just say it's been a, it's been a long, rough week. <laughs> Just say I uh, try and keep it to about one cigar a month. Maybe not even that much. And um, I think You I've blew your budget by like a year? <laughs> I, I've uh, smoked four or five cigars in the last week. So. Oh, okay. well, that'll do it. That'll do yeah, it. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, I have to, I've got to wonder here. Beer to drink music to 17. I'm, I only assume that they make one every year that is different. Um, that would be my guess. I, uh, I don't know if this is a ongoing series or not. It does. It did strike a chord with me when I saw it. I, I don't know if I've ever had one before, but if they do it as a continuing thing, but it it sounded familiar. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to check back in next year and see if there's another one because I would definitely like to like to keep that going. Um, we can we can try and line it up with our whatever our summer blockbuster will be. And with that being said, let us get into our flick, Baby Driver. Baby Driver on IMDb, which is really funny if you just re- listen to this description here. After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. That plot line could be on any movie and would be trash. It would just be like a basic, you know, whatever. But honestly, like the, the plot of this movie is it, it's whatever. It's the, it's the way this movie comes together. That makes it so special. So, obviously, I am a huge fan of this movie. And if you read that plot line, it doesn't give you any information about this movie. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes and see that it's at 97%, that gives you an idea about this movie. This movie um, is the best movie of the summer 
that is just starting off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really, really liked it. Um, I've seen some people kind of push back, and I think that, I mean, the majority of people seem to have been enjoying it um, mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons I think that both of us did. And I, and I think it's, even if you don't love the movie on its own, I think it's to be commended um, for some of the things that they they do in this. Mm-hmm. And especially, I think you almost don't have a choice but to enjoy this movie to some degree if you're a oh, fan yeah. of Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Because this is an Edgar Wright movie from start to finish. Yeah. And I know you're a fan. I'm a really big fan of his um, his three Cornettos, <laughs> the, the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and uh, The World's End. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, like... I, I love all of those movies, mm-hmm. um, and this movie fits right in there. The, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, yep, this is true to his form. Even though, not that it, it was in any way kind of a repeat of any of his other movies, um, very different in fact, but it just... There's just felt, such a style to this movie. Yeah, it just feels like it, because like, there's certain tropes that like I noticed that are very similar to what he's put in others, and he did it in new and different ways. Um but I guess if you know if we want to keep this, we don't have to get into spoilers yet. Um, we could talk about um, with with the style, um, specifically the way that they they sync up the music to right. action. Oh, uh, in action. such a great way too. Really cool. Um, and it immediately brings me up to from the very first time I saw any of his movies, Shaun of the Dead, which I know you like a lot. I lo- I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene in that movie, or the one that always makes me laugh the hardest, is. Um, and this is a spoiler for Shaun of the Dead. If any of you haven't seen <laughs> this movie, this movie came out almost 15 years ago. So, you know, it's shame on you at this point. Um, and it's on TV all the fucking time. That's so. how you really feel. Jeez. <laughs> um, there's a scene towards the end of that movie where they make it to the Winchester, their their bar of choice. And they think they have it all secured up. And they find that the bartender has turned into a zombie. He comes <laughs> to attack them. And somehow the jukebox that kicks into life and starts playing... Supersonic Man by Queen. <laughs> and three of the characters end up with pool cues and start spinning in a circle around the bartender zombie and are beating him over the head with the pool cues in perfect rhythm with the yep. song. And it's just like, it's so fucking unbelievable how perfectly synchronized, you know, as there's, you know, the song's going, crack. Crack. Yeah. Crack. Well, crack. you know what, what's great though in that movie, in that scene, it's it's meant to kind of emphasize how funny it is, right? That movie yes. is is hilarious, and it like is. that that scene makes it funnier. This movie is badass in so many ways, and oh, when definitely. they when they cue the music with the action in this movie, it's not for a chuckle. It just amplifies like like if you're on the edge of the seat, you're now standing. Like that's how like exciting it is in this movie. Yes. And the action sequences are just phenomenal. Like, and it helps you. It helps engage you in the sequence of what's going on, right? Oh, yeah. It pulls you in by giving you visual cues that match the audio cues, right? Right. Where you can get the opening scene. This is this isn't spoiler. Like oh. everyone's been talking about it. The very first scene of the movie is a heist, mm-hmm. um, and they pull up, and he clicks on his his first song he's going to listen to, the main character, Baby, and. He's listening to the song and he's tapping on the steering wheel and beat with it. And some of the action inside, you can't hear what they're doing inside as they're robbing this bank. And you see shotguns being cocked in line with some of the beats. Mm-hmm. And you see him playing with the uh, 
the windshield wipers and the windshield it's wipers so are so great and then and bopping and his head with the windshield wiper yep yeah and he's sliding it back and forth oh my goodness it's all just so tightly perfectly synced up and it's like it's that sort of attention to detail that really should grab you I and mean, this what really grabs me keeps my attention the whole time right and it's like and it, it continues right from there it's like okay this is like so the first thing you get when you see a movie like this and you see something like that you're like okay are they going to be able to hold up, like hold this up throughout the movie? Is it going to be a thing that's reoccurring? These types of like, it's just like, it, it's just so fun, and like I don't, you never think they're going to be able to hold on to that the whole movie. And then like after that scene where he's doing that, right? He's drumming on the car. He's like he's singing along with the music. He's getting all excited. They rob the bank. They get into the car, and who who points forward? Is it is it is it Shane? <laughs> Shane points forward. <laughs> Uh, I John forget. Hamm. It was either John Bernthal or John Hamm. Yeah, so one of them, they point forward, and he drives backwards. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're just going to keep going with this. And yep, it is, yep. it, it's so good. Like, that incident where he just, like, it's like gun hands forward, and the car just takes off in the opposite direction. Loved it. And the, the look on his face, on the character's face that was pointing forward, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, like you said, oh, can they keep this going up the whole movie? And actually, like, the answer to that question is yes and no. Right. Because... They don't nearly do it as perfectly synchronized the whole movie. It would be impossible no. to shoot that whole movie that way. But they do continue to have ways to continue to bring back the music will ebb and flow kind of the way that like a drum line can go up or above the you know the, the a song in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's moments where it does tightly come back real quick. Oh yeah. But it, no, it could never match that level of synchronicity. Um, but it's always relevant and it's always there in the back of your mind, ready to jump right to the forefront when it needs to be. Right. Well, it's it's funny because like I, we've mentioned this in the past. Like at this point, those action sequences in movies they're not they don't they're not the same for me as they used to be. Like when I was a kid, it was like oh, awesome action fight, crazy sequence. Right. Yeah. This is an is a crazy action scene, and by itself would probably stand stand up against some of the some of the better ones out there. But when you add this other element to it, which is added to all of the crazy action scenes, the music and like the just the crazy photography, like it's it just makes it that much more enjoyable to watch. And it makes it not just an action scene. It really does fit with the rest of the movie. It makes it just a a beautiful, just cinematic experience the whole way through. I love it. It's funny. You said, you know, the big action scenes don't always grab me. And uh, and I would agree with that, you know, uh, generally speaking as well. Um, for me, it's when you can take notice of just how slickly and excellently an action scene is choreographed. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it stand up. That's what really engages me. And this did the re, had similar results by doing it a different way, where it's not per se the choreography of an excellent fight scene. You're not watching like Donnie Yen kick someone's ass. You right. know what I mean? Instead, it's this the how they've choreographed the visual and audio experience. That's the that level of choreography that is going to really grip you and make you pay attention because you're mm-hmm. trying to see where it like okay like oh i know this song how are they going to find a way to tie this together you right know what I right mean? oh man just I, the more i think about this movie the more i'm like i need to see this like five more times <laughs> I, I loved it uh yeah i i enjoyed it i wasn't i mean i did have a little hesitation because and i'm, I'm sure we'll get to this more later but I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Ansel Elgort before I came in and saw this movie, so I was worried, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to carry this vehicle that I, I think I'm going to enjoy otherwise, or I think I should enjoy otherwise? Right. But um, 
I found that those fears were mostly, you know, they, they, they were really kind of unfounded in all of this because it's just the strength of the whole ensemble and yep. the writing and the direction and everything. I mean, and, 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 and like even further with the whole style thing, uh, I know you said either you're, you, you're not as familiar with it or you're not as big a fan of Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of similar cues um, in the, in the, during the opening credits after like the, the, the credit scroll after the, um, the actual first heist, where right. he's going to get the coffee. And if you notice, while they're playing that song, um, there's like visual representations of some of the words in the songs. Mm-hmm. You saw that? Yeah. I, I went to go, I went to see the movie with my sister, um, last Saturday and, um, so she didn't pick up at it at first, so I, I you know, I nudged her and I, I told her to start paying attention. I was like, "Do you see that on like the walls and on the floor?" And she's like, "What?" I was like, "Look out and see, like, check out the graffiti and little street signs, yeah, and stuff like that." So and awesome. I watched, I watched her when she when she picked up on it. She's like, "Oh my god!" Like she she didn't see it. Um, where there was like there's a part in the song where he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and you see like graffiti on the yeah. wall, yeah, 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 stuff like that. <laughs> That is very reminiscent of some of the stuff that goes on in, in Scott Pilgrim. Some of the uh, the visual stuff that he kind of sneaks into the background here and there. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. Like, don't like a little treasure hunt type of thing. Yeah, I, that's another reason why I want to see it. Like I said, five more times because I'm sure I'll pick up new things every time I watch it. Yes, and I love that. I love yeah, that. There's always going to be something more. Th- yeah, there's always some little thing hidden in the background with him, or some little thing that's kind of just that's like woven in between almost seamlessly that like you don't catch it. You won't catch all of them because there's so many of them and they're so little. And it's the way that he quick pans the camera and stuff like that is all. That's a a lot of stuff that, you know, both you see in the, uh, the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, the Cornettos and also the Simon, uh, not Simon Pegg, the Scott Pilgrim. There's so many of those little things that is like, I can totally see how this is all like that exact right. same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like in that in that scene, like you're saying, when he's going to get the coffee, it's very much a musical, right? There's the music's playing, and it's like there's stage cues, and the as soon like he looks down, the camera pans down, you see them on the floor, like which is awesome. I love it. Like he's like he'll do a spin on an arrow or something like that as he's walking down the street, and I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> this is yeah, so fun. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about the whole arrows thing, and and this is to 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 answer Elgort's credit um supposedly he has like a background in dancing and stuff like that and you can see that in like the fluidity of a lot of the stuff that he does um he was a good physical presence in the movie yeah like that like you said dancing along with all that and a scene later on where he's they they do a chase moves from card to on foot and he's doing basically parkour Mm -hmm. like he handled those tasks really well I just want to watch it again. I, I I love it. I love it so much. I am I'm standing by it as of right now. I'm gonna call it that. This is my favorite movie of the summer now, and we'll we'll check in every week when we do an episode to see if something's trumped it. Well, I'm hearing pretty good things about Spider-Man: Homecoming, so we'll have to see if that stands up. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I hope. I hope it does. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that'll be great. That'll blow the summer away. But as of right now, this is it. This is the top of my list. I can't wait for this to come out so I could rewatch it over and over again. Um, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it over and over again that quick, but I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to want to see this movie again and more than once. Oh yeah, uh, and what a great cast! They really like they. 
I agree, Cass, like that, that no single person stands apart. Like, Kevin Spacey could easily stand apart if he wanted to, but he instead brings up everybody else around him. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, I was talking about this uh, before we were able to record um, with friend of the podcast and our most loyal listener, uh, my cousin Mike. To our um, fan. To our fan, Mike. Cheers. Kevin <laughs> <laughs> um, Spacey, both his character and his just him as an actor in general, um, can never be overused. And I think he was so good in this that I thought he was underused. Like, I wanted more of him. I wanted more scenes of Doc because just some of those clever lines that only he can deliver in the way that he delivers it. Yeah. But in the same in the same vein, it's like it's so beautiful to have them in little bits and not to overpower the movie. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that is true. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I found myself wanting to see to see him on screen more because sure. I'd like him and him and uh, and Ansel Elgort had pretty good chemistry. I thought. Um, and there's just some of those like little lines, like you know, and we'll talk about this a little later. With you know, we'll keep this a little spoiler free for now. But that scene where they walk in. And he's just sitting in his chair, and he just says, "Bananas." Yeah. <laughs> oh and my goodness! Like, it's so good. <laughs> I, I was watching, and I was like, "Did they cut something out? Like, what did I miss?" <laughs> <laughs> You're fully engaged for with one single word. <laughs> You're like, I know. What's I'm happening like, what, right now? What did I miss here? <laughs> oh, was I not paying attention in that scene earlier? What is what is bananas? <laughs> Then he holds your hand and he like walks a, you through it. <laughs> it sounds like a punchline to a running joke. And right. I'm like, I missed the setup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is really, I didn't even think about that one. That, that is great. The The opener of this show, uh, when I mentioned the hum and the drum, I I did that because that was that was just, the delivery of that line is awesome. I love it. I mean, he's explaining what's wrong with the kid. And he's just like, ah, it's so good. <laughs> it's just like, it's, so like, I just love the writing. It's just the dialogue is fantastic. Oh yeah, no, there's there was a lot of great quick one-liners. There's almost Sorkin-esque some of the exchanges. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, which, to my knowledge, I, I think Edgar Wright wrote and directed this. I don't think Aaron Sorkin was involved in this. Right. I feel like there would have been a bigger deal if he was. But um, there was sometimes where it was almost like just how quickly they all jump back and forth. Like Jamie Fox is really good at delivering lines mm-hmm. really quick. Kevin Spacey, obviously. Um, that I was like, wow, like this reminds me of watching like something like the newsroom where you, people are just ripping back and forth. Like that sort of speed yeah. and, and wittiness is, is, can be really cool when it's executed that well. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say Jamie Foxx, it took me, it, it probably took about like 15 minutes of him on screen for me to realize that he wasn't motherfucker Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, like he could have so clearly, like just dropped a joke at any point, but then he didn't, and he was just like this terrifying, crazy, well, literally batshit crazy person. Well, no, he had one joke. It, he had one joke, and I did laugh pretty hard at it. When and it took me a while to figure out. Um, Kevin Spacey makes says a line fairly early on in the movie, something about um, "See you next time you have a nasal problem," and he taps his nose. Yeah, and it took me until they made that like comment a couple times to realize, oh. All these people are paid in cocaine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what was like that was what tied all these people together like yeah. cuz like sure like there's plenty of times where you've seen someone is taken advantage of or coerced because they have a drug problem but usually the collection of those people aren't all incredible at robbing banks. 
Right. Well, yeah. So like the the people that he uses to rob the banks, he pays in cash, and they use that money for drugs. But the people that he gets the information from, he pays with drugs. It seems yes, like. But yeah. Either way, the point I was making is, like, the, the it's not often that just all the cocaine users in Atlanta are good at robbing. Drugs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like that skill set's usually mutually exclusive from cocaine. <laughs> But that 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 line. What does he say? A guy with a nose problem. What does he say? He says, uh, "I guess uh, he goes. Uh, I'll see you the next time uh, someone has a nasal problem." Right. Well, but he, he's always he, when he's talking about the person that gives him information in each of the jobs. He says a similar. Oh yeah, line. someone with a nasal problem. Right. Told yeah. Me just that like tap. That. Like it's just a great and it's like cut. Like it, like pans to him that tap on the nose and it's just he just continues going on and everybody like they all speak the lingo right they all they all understand what they're each saying so like they don't have to stop and pause for everybody else and you as the audience. You can pick up right on it just because of their chemistry as like these crazy criminals, <laughs> and it's awesome. Well, and that's what led to the line from Jamie Fox when he's talking to John Hamm and uh, Isa Gonzalez and uh, Buddy and Darling uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. and he says uh, something. He said, uh, "You guys fund your cocaine problem by robbing banks. I fund my bank robbing problem by using cocaine." Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny one. Um, do we want to continue to move on without spoilers? Because we can get into some specifics. Um, I guess less before we actually get into spoilers. There's a, a this won't ruin anything. Um, there's something that struck me throughout this movie. It's like within the first, like obviously within the first heist scene before the before the credits and everything following. Like I feel like not thirty seconds goes by where you can't still frame this movie and print it on a canvas. Oh yeah, it was, it was a lot of the shots were, were really well done. Like um, incredible stuff, like shocking and like vibrant. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Like there's a scene um, where Baby and uh, Deborah are in the car, and I think like he she kisses him or he kisses her. But the way that the sun is coming in on the right side, and it's like an asymmetrical shot, and he's off. They're off to like the left. It's just it is it is a still frame. Like this whole movie would have worked as a comic book. Yes. Like easily. Which plays in with how Scott Pilgrim was shot. It's like, I forget exactly the specific of what it's, I, I think it's supposed to be like a movie that was a video game, not a movie based on a video game, Okay. but a video game come to life as a movie. Right, right. Um, but a lot of the scenes are almost, are shot actually more similar to reading like off of a comic book. Right. It's almost like the two of them together. And that definitely carried over in a, a little bit less of a literal sense in this movie. But still have the spirit of what you're trying to say there, like where it's yeah. like, oh, it's in the like vein of a comic book, even though it's not literally shot like a comic book. Right. Like, and if they were to, if every every scene change, if they were to just like pull the camera out and make it a still frame and wash it out with like just color and like make it non realistic, yeah, and then swoop into another frame, it would totally work. Like, it, yes, like yes. it was, it's awesome. Like, I want, I want a printed version of this movie that I could put on a shelf. He, they use a few different interesting um, camera techniques because in addition to that, where they had, like you said, like that almost panel by panel like shift from mm-hmm. one sequence to the next, there was a couple times where they also did the Birdman thing where the camera followed directly from one scene to the next. Oh, like a continuous shot? Yes. I feel. Yeah. In the way that Birdman, the entire movie was shot that way. Obviously, this one wasn't, mm-hmm. but there was a couple of times where they did make that transition where the camera is following someone, and then it turns and follows someone else into the next room. Right. 
which I, I think that's a cool dynamic because it's so different from what you normally see in right. a movie. Yeah, you, you it doesn't it doesn't break like the context for you at all. It it makes you feel like you're sitting in the room like swiveling in a chair or something. Yeah, it was like one of those it's things awesome. where it's like I love that. It was them having one of their meetings and it was like it was like the camera was on doc and then like it turned to follow uh baby walking out of the room and it follows him walking out of the room and I was like, Oh, that's cool that they use this as well, not as the whole central conceit the way that that Birdman was, um, not that that was a problem with that movie, it was part of what made that movie unique, but it was cool that he mixed in all these different types of techniques together, which kind of keeps right. you on your toes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it, it stands apart from that, I think, I mean, like, this movie is gonna, is it will, it'll likely be on a top list for me, I, I haven't decided where yet, but, like, and that is part of the reason, it's unique, It it's everything about i love everything about the movie i love the way that it's shot i love the acting i love obviously love the music the music is wow <laughs> it's just it's so good <laughs> and like the uh, i won't get into more of that yet but uh <laughs> but the, the music is beautiful and it's just it's just such a fun movie like it's everything that i go to the movies for oh yeah it's a fun story it's great acting it pulls you for that two hours that you're sitting there like you you are fully invested and that takes a lot of talent. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was never a time, like, even, like, you know, it's common for any movie of a significant running time will tend to find some moment to sag a little bit. But this one was far from offensive. You know, it's all stuff that needed was in service to the story. And while it may slow down and sag a bit, it never dragged. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, shall we get into a little, little spoiler territory? Yeah, sure. I mean, I you know I have a few more things that can be talked about yeah, either let's, way. Let, let's so go, we might as well just do yours. it under the oh. spoiler banner, so we we're free to do whatever we want. Yeah, let's go nuts. <laughs> From this point on, there will be spoilers. Oh yes, there will be spoilers. <laughs> um, a funny thing about the characters. So like each character has has a depth that you maybe at first glance you won't see it, but I feel like they make a point of making you realize that they do. By having Jamie Foxx's character Bats explain the two characters across the table to you, and you're like, oh, like maybe I didn't think, like I I didn't think about that. They're these, just these two thugs, right? They're just they're crazy. They're batshit crazy. They're they're robbing banks, they're taking money. But then he breaks down why they're doing it. And I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I didn't think of that. And then like then you like you just like you see him and he's like he's all kind of mysterious and he's like he's like a Joker character almost like he's nuts. He's out of his mind. Um, he's very, very unhinged, and obviously the whole movie we're following Baby, and we we get his story front to back. Um, what we don't get is the relationship, other than like between him and Kevin Spacey, him and Doc, where obviously yeah he he boosted his car right, which had yeah. a stash in it. Was that was that the case? Yeah, he stole his Mercedes, and it had he had no idea who Doc was or the fact that whatever he must have had a large amount of cocaine that he was planning on distributing to informants at some point or other and he stole it crashed it and doc made him pay right but it feels like their relationship is goes further than that it is weird because it's it's funny because you know right on its surface i made a parallel between this movie and gardens of the galaxy gardens galaxy volume 2 both coming out within a couple months of each other um and having how like, the soundtrack is so intrinsically tied to the movie itself. 
Um, and in the same way, there was a very similar relationship I felt between um, Baby and Doc in the same way that there was between Yondu and Peter Quill. Right. Okay. Where it's this antagonistic, almost fatherly relationship, but also I'll kill you if you cross me. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. That's exactly. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that vibe. I thought there was there were some cues that made me think that there was something deeper, like they were actually related in some way or another. Um, specifically, early on in the movie, when they're they leave the they leave the. Building. Hang on a second. You were you were like, you were fading out on my. I don't know the, oh. the audio may not have caught that well. Oh, sorry. Oh well, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Good. Um, Good. So the the scene in. Early on in the movie, after the, he gets the coffee, he goes back in. They pay each other, or whatever. They go down their cars. They're in the elevator. Uh, yeah. All of them are in the elevator, in the elevator together. And you have um, Shane, who I will never remember his real name. Tom Uh And you have John Hamm and uh, Darling. What was her name? Aza Gonzalez. Aza Gonzalez. You have them all in the elevator, and there, uh, John Hamm and Aza Gonzalez are in the back right. Uh, Shane is in the forefront on the left. Uh, Doc is front and center. Kevin Spacey and Baby is in the back left, and it's a great shot. This is one of those scenes that I'm talking about. Like this needs to be printed. I want this hanging on my wall. It's an awesome shot, but there is a insane similarity between the way Doc and Baby are standing. Mm. They look like the same character almost. Well, there's definitely a connection between the two of them, and, and I think part of it came with, like I said, that kind of father son, but also I'll kill you thing but it's also mm. i think the actors themselves had the the two of them had really good chemistry oh yeah for sure i thought um and yeah there is a kind of a mirroring thing where doc definitely respects baby's abilities and is understanding because he says when he's telling the story about how the two of them had met and how he's like you all he owes me a huge debt and he's gonna pay me back but also a lesser man I would have, or a lesser child, I would have killed to send a message. Right. But I could see the talent in him and see how he was his own sort of artist and he appreciated that in him. And in the same way with, with Baby, I think he hates that he's working for him and he hates this life that he's living. But he sees the genius in Doc and I think he also sees the genuine level of care that Doc seems to have. Because Doc keeps going to bat for him when all these other... Right. Uh, all these other like uh, gang members uh, keep asking, "What's the kids deal? I don't like them. I don't trust them. This and that." And he's saying, "Listen, at all this time you've been working for me, have I ever given someone who wasn't a hundred percent best for the job?" So there's that whole thing where I think they know that they need each other, and there's a symbi- symbiosis that that exists between the two of them, and, and a mutual admiration, respect of each other's talents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I I love that, uh, and I I I think you're right there. And I another a fun thing about that is the whole time I'm expecting to find some reveal there, like there is some sort of family connection there, or some bloodline between them. But the fact that there, I think it 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 makes it so much stronger of a relationship if there isn't one. Yeah, and I love that we don't get any other information than what we are told by Kevin Spacey on how like they came into each other's company, and yes. everything else is between them. Which strengthens like what you're talking about. Like their relationship is strong and it's between them. It's not it's none of our business. You just have to get it. Yeah. 
it's funny, like you're, you're saying that the whole thing about how they met, whether there was something more or not. I think it really was pure happenstance. It was almost right. kind of a, like a Lord of the Rings, like Bilbo finding the ring type of thing, where mm -hmm. it's like fate was destined for the two of them to cross paths eventually. 36 and minutes and 20 seconds until Lord of the Rings is mentioned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we haven't mentioned it in most of the episodes, have we? I'm pretty sure it's come up in every episode. <laughs> no, there's no way every episode. Uh, maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know we've talked about it before, but like, I don't just it's just how you were saying, like, whether there was any deeper meaning to how or why they met, um, and whether that's kept secret from us because it's just between the two of them and this and that. But it reminded me of like the line that Gandalf, or even that in like the opening narration by Galadriel, like the the line about how it was fate that Bilbo should find the ring, and it's kind of fate that Doc and 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 Baby should meet each other. Mm -hmm. And that all the events thereafter were almost predestined by the kind of electric personality of those two. Right. Yeah. And if you want your family connection, quick aside here, what about the little kid Sam? Oh my god. <laughs> Did that kid almost steal the show? That was amazing. Yeah. I mean, his nephew, stole, right? He certainly stole the scene, whether or not yeah. he stole the whole show. He's just like, he's on his PSP, he's like, hey, <laughs> just like what is happening right now? I know it was so perfect, and even he even topped it in the next scene when they're sitting in the car together, <laughs> and baby's recounting it all to him, and he just coughs and he starts moving his fingers. And <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny! That was that kid killed it. Yes, that was great. And no, he's like, she gave me a peppermint. <laughs> yeah, I have a mint here with your name on it. It says Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was great. Uh, uh, into the uh, let's talk about Baby for a little bit. Uh, his character is—I mean, we get his whole story like front to back. It's pre pretty much face value, and he's still—he's still fun to follow throughout this movie. And it's just because yeah. of the 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 way the rest of the story is handled. Like, there's nothing like extremely interesting about it, right? His Parents fought. They died in a car accident. He, his mom was a singer. He's super into music. He has a, um, he has tinnitus in his ear. Mop. What? Mop. Mop. Uh, now mark that time down because there's an Archer reference for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he goes, um, and and like that, and that's really it. Like it's at face value. He got into a little bit of trouble. He's paying his way out. He lives with this this. This deaf old man who is like, just this wonderful human being. <laughs> no, he's the one who stole the show. Yeah, he's great with no words. Oh man, he killed yes. it. Joe was funny as hell. Some of his like sarcastic shit, even though it's you know delivered through sign language. Yeah, and you don't know it's sarcastic until you see the look on one of their faces and you see, you know, the subtitles come up to tell you what he actually said. Mm -hmm. He had some funny ass lines. Oh yeah, for sure. And like uh, that's another thing with these relationships between the characters in the movie. There's no they don't need a lot of the screen time to develop them. Like, yeah. there's the scene where he's dancing, he's dancing in the room, uh, and the guy looks at him, and he just says, who's the girl? Like, yep, it's, yep. it's awesome. Like, it's great. You get the whole scene. Like, he puts his hand on the speaker to feel the vibration of the music, and he's into it, too. And he's just like, he can appreciate the art in a different form. He's using whatever senses he has to do it. It's just like, it's such a cool dynamic. And then the whole spreading the peanut butter to the edge of the bread 
and how that gets replayed at the end. Oh, yeah. Beautiful scene. Yeah, I mean, because that was also, you know, you have the father-son relationship, the antagonistic version of it between Doc and, and Baby, but then between Joe and Baby, you have the much more, like, tender relationship right. where... this angel looking over him. Yes, where it was... When this was a young, troubled boy, he had Joe to take him in and nurture him. And now that Joe is wheelchair-bound and fully deaf, the roles have reversed where it's Baby who's taking care of him. And there's no resentment to that because he knows the debt that he owed him right. for taking him in off the street, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's funny because like, between Doc and Joe, it's like the angel and the devil on his shoulders. Yeah, that's true. It's it's so cool. And that uh, the twice he... The same way that the peanut butter line was recounted twice, where he wants the peanut butter spread to the edge of the bread, uh, to the edges of the bread. The same line where he goes, um, "He's it's not him that he, it's not myself that I'm worried about. It's it's you. Mm-hmm. It's it's like he's so selfless. I love yeah. it. It's 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 awesome. Uh, it's funny because he even kind of has like a last fu stick it to the man type of moment when he's dropped off of the nursing home." Yeah, and, um, yeah. <laughs> and the police helicopter is, you know, yelling out how you know he's armed and extremely dangerous, and uh, you know we're gonna catch him. So come out now, and he just says good luck. <laughs> right, and he's like, he's got these skills, and he can easily be a bad person, but baby is a good person. Yeah, well, he's a good person who is a tragic figure, right? Mm-hmm. You know, from his youth to getting falling in with the wrong crowd and feeling honor bound to honor this debt, you know, cause if not, then someone like Joe would get hurt. Right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, he was like a 12 year old kid when he stole doc's car or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're right. He is a good person, which uh, I want to talk about that again, like a little more later, um, with the whole ending sequence. Oh, of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's good, but you can see that he keeps trying to stay above the level where he knows he's doing wrong, but he's kind of accepted that that's his fate. Right. But he's going to do it his way, that he's only going to do as much as he needs to. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't ever want to cross the line into becoming a vicious or wanton killer like some of the people he has to work with. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, he exactly. exactly. And like the like scene where like the guy's about to... Uh, Bats is going to shoot the Marine that's trying to stop them from stealing... The cash, and he like Which, he cuts it Which, by the way, off. where the fuck did he get that arsenal of guns in his truck? I have no idea. I mean, like, like I don't care what sort of gun ownership laws there are. You can't just drive around with a fucking MP5 <laughs> sitting on your passenger seat. Like that doesn't. You can't exist. just I go around that. shooting people on a whim, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your obligatory wedding crashes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just like. I thought that that was going to turn into something because you saw that he like gave that them like a, the crew like a weird look before it actually went down. I thought that they were being marked by like some sort of rival faction or something like that. And the fact that that dude pulled out a fucking submachine gun <laughs> just further proved that I thought in my mind until it didn't end up going anywhere like downward like later in the movie mm-hmm. that 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 didn't resurface anywhere. So it was like it was a little confusing to it, me. Yeah, it was. It turns out that it was face value, and you're like, oh. All right. <laughs> it just seemed odd that he whipped out a fucking yeah. HKMP5. Like, <laughs> that's called him hero. That's all you needed to know. Yeah. Uh, but if you think about uh, about Baby, and we talked about how he kind of like totes the line between going bad. He he's he's basically it's he's playing Mass Effect, right? 
and he's just riding the line the whole time, but just a little bit on the good side. Wow, I love that. You know, of all the times we've mentioned aspect, <laughs> this is the first time you've gone out. <laughs> but it, it's funny because you're like, it, even though like, yeah, he makes some bad decisions and he does some bad stuff. You're just like, you know what? It's a miracle that you're not worse. <laughs> <laughs> you've had it rough. <laughs> Honestly, if you killed a couple of those people, I probably wouldn't have blamed you. <laughs> no, I know. It's, <laughs> it's true. Like, the fact that it takes him that long, it's almost like, if you took the first episode of Breaking Bad and you made that the whole first season, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you've had so many opportunities to break bad and you have stayed above the line until you really, really like need to do it at the end. Like, like, like mm-hmm. the snap comes way longer than you would have expected. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the snap, let's talk a little bit about deaths in this movie. Okay. Every death is amazing <laughs> every character that is like an like a, a main character in this movie when they die it's like it's it's time to give them like a standing ovation as they exit the scene it is yeah. when he drives that car into the rebar that goes through bats's face i was like oh i guess this isn't how he becomes motherfucker jones like and i was just like <laughs> This is great. Like that was like I was like, and I cheat. I was like, yeah, like he's dead. Like screw this guy. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because that was the one bit of like Edgar Wright movie making that we hadn't got yet was that really gory death. Right. Like when you think about Shaun of the Dead, some of the you know zombies that they crush or what's his name getting torn into fifteen pieces by a crowd of zombies. <laughs> or if you think of Hot Fuzz, like a like a. Some of the really brutal deaths, like the the spire falling off the church and landing mm-hmm. in the dude's head, or um, at the very end when what's his name, um, one of the James Bonds, uh, Timothy Dalton, when he leaps and he lands and impales his like under his mouth, and you think it like yeah. tore his head off, <laughs> and yet he's still alive and talking with the thing popping out of his <laughs> mouth. Like that was the first time you really got that like that really like. Over the top, almost again, almost like comic book, like you know, gore. Right. That's funny. But yeah. like, I, I remember it's like when they were sitting there, and because it was a pretty extended like pause as the tension's rising. Right, it's like they're trying to leave. It's a bust, and I'm like, he's gonna run into the back of that truck to oh, fuck yeah. up bats. But I didn't expect the bar to impale his face. It was. Was it his face? It, was his, uh, it might have been his chest, his chest. Uh, either way. I didn't expect it to explosively impale him, is, yeah. is the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that speed, I'm surprised it didn't kill the guy in the backseat, too. Yeah, no, I was actually wondering, too. I was like, is he going to take out fucking John Hamm, too? Right. Like, Which I'm glad he didn't, because he ends up, like, in the third act, becoming this crazy-ass, like, the real villain of this movie. Terminator? Yeah, it was, oh, it was awesome. It's I funny, love- too, because... That was something that I saw that I do like with a movie like this that I'm really amped up to see, um, especially for like, you know, whether or not we're going to be recording on it. Um, I do like to take a look at very like, like top level, like not spoiler involved reviews before I go and see these movies just to see what are some of the things I should look for just to make sure I don't miss it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I saw mentioned was that, that like, the way that they, they utilize some of the characters, like John Bernthal had really small role in the movie. And it seemed like they were setting him up to be a more important character, but it seems like what they kind of set John Bernthal's character up ended up being replaced with bats. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, 
there's a line right after that first heist, I think it is, where Doc says something along the lines of, um, it's the reason I never use the same crew for more than one job. Yep. I was like, oh, fuck, we're not going to see any more John Berthel or John Hamm. And I wanted to see more of both of them. And then you get John Hamm later. It's like, oh, okay, it's the exact three-man crew because they mixed him and Darling right. with Bats, who right. was from the other crew. Okay, that makes sense then. And I'm glad that we, you know, because the whole middle section doesn't have, like, basically any John Hamm. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back for the whole third character and or the whole third act and basically becomes Terminator. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that because he's also like out of everybody, he's the one that kind of befriend not befriends, but he's nice to Baby. Yeah, he's you, interested. I, I think he likes him. He yeah. genuinely likes Baby until Darling meets her demise. Yes, and let's talk about that for a second. So, in the scene where they go to pick up the weapons, the uh, the scene where there were no bananas. Yes. Um. There's it's another scene right out of a comic book. And or even a, you know, like a a campy action movie where like John Hamm and Darling. Oh, oh, I keep calling him John Hamm. What's his name in the movie? Buddy. Buddy. Buddy and Darling are like they're like back to back and they're shooting over each other's shoulders and like they, like and they're out in the open. And Mr. Like, and Mrs. Smith. I'm like, this is strange. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not upset, but this is weird. They should be dead. And then well, they go whole- to do it again. And she dies. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay, there it is. <laughs> well, that time, like, you could see that coming a mile away, too. Because she just lifts up these two way too big, like, machine guns standing with zero cover. Oh, yeah. And just ripping it out into a crowd of cops. And it's like, there's no way she walks away from this. Yeah, and it, it I didn't shatters expect her the whole fantasy. Up, like, a Christmas have. tree, but I didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't expect her to survive either. But, but like, like, that's the whole thing. Like, the, the two of them, Buddy and Darling, are living in this fantasy world where they're like, they're like making crazy amounts of money and they're just they're gambling it away, they're drinking, they're screwing, like all this stuff, and like it all comes crashing down because it's like it, it, it ran its course and it's like, no, you're not superheroes. No, this isn't a comic book. And then she just gets lit up and destroyed. And but he he doesn't like it's not it doesn't become reality at that point for him, like, oh right, we we can't live like this. It's like he's like hell bent on revenge against baby at that point, and that's oh, when yeah, he becomes he a terminator. Snaps. And it's, it's crazy. He snaps and becomes a pure bastard. And it's funny, uh, I gotta I gotta mention this now because so I was sitting in the theater, um, you know, I got my sister to come see it with me because, you know, every, like every couple of months I'll find a movie that I think she like could like. Um, that'll like be out of her wheelhouse of like Divergent or whatever movie that's somewhat similar to that, because like that's the only thing she's gonna like seek out and watch on her own. So you so, roped her in with? Was he in Divergent or was he in The Hunger Games? They're the same no, movie. No, he was in <laughs> The Fold in Our Stars, which she also mm-hmm. loved, and that was the only little bit of exposure I got to him as an actor as well. Um, but I said, yeah, it's got you know Ansel Elgort, and it's got Jamie Fox and Kevin Spacey and John Hamm. And she like like she was like interested, so I was like, all right, perfect. Like the, I thought, you know, the, and I was like, it's the same guy who made, um, yeah. She does seem to enjoy like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which is cool. Um, so we're sitting in the, in the movie, and I was like, after a couple scenes with John Hammond, I was like, I just leaned over and nudged her. I said, so what do you think about John Hamm playing Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing Negan? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and she goes. Oh my God! That's John Ham. I thought it was Negan. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I told you John Ham was in the movie." And she's like, "I know." And I kept thinking, "When is he gonna show up?" 
I thought it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan because oh he looked God. just like him with the salt and pepper stubble and the leather jacket and the black hair slicked back. Like, he looked just fucking like Negan. That's pretty funny. That'd be great. He's in that scene where he's chasing him in the cop car. He's like, little pig, little pig. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially they had that conversation earlier when they're selling him the guns and it's all the pork shoulder and yeah. the bacon. And this Another and that great and scene. That scene is amazing. The dialogue in that scene is fantastic. Even though it's so ridiculously it's over, the top. over the top. Yeah, it's complete nonsense, but it's funny and it works for some reason in this movie. And it's like, it's the way that Jamie Foxx delivers that line is so bad that it's good. Where he we, goes, I'll take the pork shoulder because I love shooting some pig. And he starts firing on the cops. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me about how bad the line was where he said like, he's like, do I know you? He goes, well, you alive. <laughs> so no. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that's foreshadowing. Y'all going to get shot. <laughs> Everything about that scene... What the fuck? What's he doing? What's he listening to? Tequila. Da, 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 <laughs> yeah. da, da. Oh, and then of course the the sync up at the very end of the scene where he blows up in the background and he says tequila. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> or even how that all cycles back to the bananas thing when Doc finally finds his conscience and he, you know, oh, you two lovebirds, like you're like disgustingly adorable, and I remember what it was to be in love and this and that and. Yeah, you know, he takes them out, and they open the, the the elevator doors, and you just see three guys standing there, and he goes, "Bananas!" Yeah, firing at him. <laughs> yeah, it could have been bad. That scene could have been horrible, but for some reason, in the context of this movie, it works. It was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, it, it's great. And then we're we're talking about how John Hamm is the Terminator, but Doc goes out like the Terminator, like just getting run over, flipped over, ran back over. I was like, Jesus. Well, he took two shotgun slugs to the fucking chest. Uh-huh. I like how he's... the second one just makes him mad. Yeah. It doesn't kill him. Well, because it, like, stops him mid-sentence. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I thought I told you. Bam! I thought I told you to run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is excellent. And then he turns around and tries to take out John Hamm and gets lit the fuck up by that car. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Twice. Forwards and backwards. Oh, that's right. I forgot he backed over him after that, too. Yeah. That was brutal. But then, uh, John, Han- when they finally, when, um, when Baby finally pushes the car off the edge, and, like, you know, you see the door open, as the viewer, you know that, uh, that buddy's not dead. Yes. And it's just like, but you really want him to be? You know? <laughs> you really well, also, want it was to- perfect because you got that moment of, like, John Hamm going, like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. It's like, they don't give him that moment unless he's getting the opportunity to possibly escape from it. Right. Yeah, and then but then that's that scene though where he like you know he he pulls the gun on on baby and he shoots next to both of his ears. I was like, you bitch. I <laughs> 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 was, was so mad. It was so petty. Yeah, it really was. I'm gonna take something you love, and he's like, oh, he's gonna kill her. Oh, he took his hearing. That's worse. And he's gonna kill her. Wait a minute. Yep. Now that's just rude. <laughs> right. It's like- like, come on, like, whatever happened to an eye for an eye, not two ears and your girlfriend. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. So fun. Um, and then, yeah, he gets the uh, he gets the long fall off the edge, which is always a fun death scene. And the obligatory, the car blows up after he oh, hits yeah. it. For no reason. <laughs> no reason at all. The car explodes. Actually, like. But I'm not mad. I'm oh, not no, mad. Oh, no, but it's like, 
it's like basically equally petty to him shooting him by the ears. <laughs> right. It's like full on like five minutes later. <laughs> Just because. And then like when they're driving away at the end, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they get pulled over. I was like, okay, yeah, it's not that movie. <laughs> oh, and now we're watching Kingsman? Yeah. It's, it was, oh, man. Uh, I liked, I did love at the very end that you get the scene from earlier that was in black and white. And yeah, they, that was a cool callback. And they fade in the color on top of it so that you know it's not a dream. And it's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. What an ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beautiful. before we get to the actual ending, um, I did, it's weird. We almost basically talked around her the whole time. We pretty much haven't mentioned Lily James as mm-hmm. um, Deborah. Yeah. Um, which is weird because she, I mean, it's not like she didn't get a lot of screen no, time. No, she was great. Yeah, I, I liked her. I mean, they I, had great chemistry I, throughout the movie as well. They did, which was was cool because I think if they didn't, this movie doesn't work as well. No, but they have like this this like couple of crazy kids with their teen romance. Like that's what yeah. it seems like, but it works so well. And it is a little bit corny at times. Oh yeah, but it, but intentionally so. Like almost like a like back to like the comic book. Like it's like almost like Dick Tracy. Like it it it's just it's very corny. Yeah, and I guess that that's to its credit too, because it's not like one of those things where it's like, "fuck, this just isn't working." It was like one of those things where it's like intentionally like that. So yeah. that's definitely like makes it much easier to kind of like sit and enjoy the ride with them. Otherwise, it's just like you're just gonna be cringing. And, and even then, like there's a couple times where I'm just like, especially early on in their like meeting, like where he's just like so silent, stoic that it's like. Okay, give me a little bit more. Like it's just like a little too like fraught and drawn out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I, there's. Yeah, I mean, there's like cliches, especially like with those like the boy meets girl. Girls got a, a rough life. Boy is gonna take her out of there, kind of thing. Like there's there's cliches throughout this entire movie, but you're not mad at them for whatever reason they work. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's not about being mad at them. Not at all. No. No, no she, but I, I did. Good. I did think this was good. This is the only, um, it's the only thing I've ever actually seen her in. I, I looked her up because she looked familiar, um, and I realized why why she looked familiar was she was in that um, the, the live action Cinderella movie they did a couple years ago. Okay. She was Cinderella, and she married Rob Stark. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So I remember seeing like, and then the they all died at the wedding. <laughs> oh God! No, this is not that movie either. <laughs> Everything's um, getting mishmashed together. <laughs> um, no, but I just realized that's why I recognized her because I remember seeing a ton of those commercials when the movie was coming out. Okay. So like, her face was plastered all over TV, and that that's why I recognized her. But I hadn't actually ever seen her in anything. Yeah, I. I she she was great. She she had a great voice too, for the scenes where yeah. she was singing. It was really it was really cool. Like I love the char- I love that that character is also super into music, and that's that's where their connection lies like immediately. Right. Yeah. From the first scene in, when he's walking through getting the coffee and he sees her with the headphones on. You're like, yeah, these two are going to end up together. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's I was great. actually surprised how early they did that before kind of cycling back to a real meeting between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did notice there was a couple of issues where it's the whole – well, it's funny how much we're going you know, to talk about Walking Dead. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she's another – like. English actor actress who is playing an Atlantan, uh, <laughs> so the the, uh, the southern accent kind of faded in and out a little bit at times, but 
like I thought she handled it well for having to do that many lines, like have to do whole range of emotion from kind of just like the the cute little stuff to like laugh out loud funny to shit getting serious and her being terrified. You know what I mean? Like, I, overall, it handled. I thought she handled it really well. It was just like it's the first extended exposure I had to her as an actress. Um, overall, I was relatively impressed. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they did mostly have pretty good chemistry on screen together, which yeah. definitely sells this and makes it just be a movie that was okay that kind of missed the mark to being something that I've really enjoyed. Like the, the, the That's definitely partially on the strength of their relationship on screen. Right. And I, I mean, the chemistry can't be understated for this movie because it's not just between them. It's the chemistry between every character's interaction with other characters is it just works so well. Oh, yeah. Just really. No, it's really true. This movie was built on all these different relationships, even though some of them are just quick clipped conversations and scenes together, right? Where it's not yeah. always extended stuff on screen, where it's something as simple as Kevin Spacey, your doc, getting kind of his haunches up, like, you know, like bristling when one of his guys is questioning Baby, right? And he's, mm-hmm. you know, oh, making his. Another great scene. Right, and it's like, you know, like he's getting pissy about it, but you can see he wants to cover the actual connection by, you know, making some of his jokes, right? The humming the drum thing. go Your Mozart in a go-kart, you know. Right. Like those sorts of things where it's like, you know, he's making fun of him to kind of take the, like, kind of, like, mislead the person, like, not to think that he's going soft, but also showing the whole thing where it's like back the fuck off like this is my this is my guy yeah this is the driver deal with it <laughs> yeah and like that actually that's something we haven't even talked about and i kind of forgot about that the whole thing with um him taking those taped conversations mm-hmm. um both like just kind of the cool dynamic of him cutting up those songs like yeah is he slow is 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 he slow <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's great and I just love, like, and that just adds to it. There's, there's a lot of comedy in this movie, and that's part of it is when they, they go and they, gar- they grab all the tapes from his house. First off, when they're going to get the tapes, and uh, he's, like, he sneaks out, Ansel, uh, Baby sneaks out, and then John Hamm confronts him, and then Bats gets in the car, and he's confronting him, and he's like, well, let's go get the tapes. And he goes, I, I live really far. <laughs> stop like, this is ridiculous yes. and then when they finally grab the tapes and like it's super intense like it's a really heated scene and you think that everybody's gonna start shooting at some point and then yep. he puts the tape in and he plays it and doc is basically just like yeah this Seriously? is my guy still this is definitely still my guy and you guys made me second guess him like screw all of you <laughs> and it's just, and, but there's also like a little bit of it that's like wait seriously yeah like did you have to do this <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's great too. Like everything from, about that whole thing, from start to finish. Like you know, it's the or it's kind of whole the, the John you know pre Terminator Terminator move from John Hamm, where like he's whipping around, he's just standing there in the middle, like how did he find me, like type of deal. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's that whole conversation. What is this? Uh, it's a recording. You know, do you work for the cops? Are you a cop? No, I just recorded and make songs. Wait, that's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really hope you have a better excuse. And he goes, no, I do. No, I have all these tapes in my house. Oh, I guess we're going. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, that's what it was. He goes, what's going on here? Uh, nothing's going on here. Really? Because it looks like we're going for a ride at 2 a.m. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're just, we're just talking about something. Oh, I guess we're going for a ride at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and he put the seatbelt on. Yep. Oh, <laughs> and a, yeah, like you said, uh, I live really far away from here. He goes, no, you don't. And he just punches <laughs> him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that, that that's great. I wonder, um, uh, Kim and I had went to go see this, and she had mentioned something about Ansel Elgort being either a DJ or he works with music. I'm wondering if he did anything with those tapes. Like, if I wonder if he put those together, because that would be a really cool thing. Yeah, it would be cool if that scene was, like, really, like, how it was, you know what I mean? Like, if it was just him doing and experimenting with yeah. it, and that's what it came out to. It was like, yep, let's stick with it. It's cool. Like, whatever. That'd be fun. I'll believe that that's the case for now. I, it makes me enjoy it even more. <laughs> Until proven otherwise, I, I am willing to, yes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It is fact for now. <laughs> um Oh man, that's so good. I, this, yeah. It, well, well, is he fast? <laughs> was he slow? Was he slow? <laughs> Another again, back on the comedy though. In this movie, the whole friggin' scene that had me like almost in tears was when Shane takes his glass. Is it Shane takes his glasses off? And then he puts, um, and then he like looks away, and he puts another pair of glasses. Pulls on. another pair out. Oh yeah. my god! And then he slaps him off, and he puts another pair of glasses on. I was like, God damn it! This is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it again at the end when he uh, when he's running from the cops, and he goes into that store, and he you know he throws on the jacket, he throws on the hat, and he throws on a pair of glasses. He's running, and at some point, I don't know what happens if he gets hit or if he drops him. One of the pairs of glasses falls off, and he puts another pair on. So when yep, he yep. was in the store, he took more than one pair of glasses, and I love it. It's so good. <laughs> the callbacks throughout the movie are fantastic. Oh, it's great! Like the he's got an infinite pair of. It's like the like the magician with the handkerchiefs that yeah. just keep coming out, but it's sunglasses instead of handkerchiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for him to pull a pair out from behind someone's ear <laughs> and put them on. Uh, as that, and it's the, uh, how many freaking iPads he has, or I, not oh iPods he has, you know. Well, also, uh, that was, that was another funny thing. I, the broken one is his mom's. It was that first, it was the first one that she gave him as a kid. Okay. Oh, right, right. And the so, reason it was broken is because he had it, he was listening to it in the car while they were right, fighting in the crashed. car before the car crash. Is the, is the bedazzled one his mom's? No, I think it, the whole thing was that he was just say like wherever he would like pick him up. I think he was buying him online or whatever. Like so, so he's just buying people's iPods. Well, I think it's just like like that was his whole thing. Is instead of you know he would just kept acquiring new ones, whether he found right. one or he picked one up or yeah. whatever. So the whole point was he didn't care what they looked like; it was what they represented. Yeah, I have I have them for different moods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my god! I forgot even like the the scene where they do um, and also to me of like underused people. I wish they would have given Flea a little bit more to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, when they do that scene where the hero like uh, the marine like foils him a little bit, um, when the timing gets fucked up and he goes, wait, wait, wait hang on a second, and he rewinds back to the start oh my of the god. song. Yep. And he's okay. Now you guys can go. And, and Jamie Foxx like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> oh man, the whole uh, just just go see this movie if you haven't. You have to have seen it by now if you're staying with us. Oh yeah, friggin' Sam, <laughs> show stealing Sam. Um, so uh, is there anything else you want to talk? Because there's one more topic that I have that I want to discuss at least briefly. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I was trying to think. There was at least one thing. I have a feeling it's the same as yours. Uh. 
I think we'll just get into it. The ending of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these scenes were like, the, just the, the scenes on the witness stands where you have all these people that are just like, but he's a nice kid. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, the one that gets me, the, the old lady with the purse. And it's the strangest thing. He after after he finally drove, was ready to drive away, he threw my purse and he said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, like, yeah, yeah." It's like she was like so confused, like it's... yeah. That was that was that was so cool. I liked that. So, I, I like I, I looked at some stuff about the ending, um, and I'm kind of conflicted on it. Um, so I want I want to know like overall that whole sequence. Um, the whole sequence post his arrest. So like those last like three or five minutes, whatever it is of the actual trial, him going to jail and getting out. Yeah. What, what do you feel about that? Like, I like, go ahead. Like, I, like I'm not going to, like, I might like ask a question, but like, just kind of give me your impression on like how that resonated with you before I like say what I had to say. Cause I, I want to see what your take on that was. Um, I mean, I, it, it works for me. The whole thing that's going on. Like you, like it, they kind of, other characters in the movie feel the same way that I feel about this character at this point, right? He's a, I find him to be, he's definitely, he's a good person at heart, which is basically what they get at throughout these testimonials. And he gets out after, I'm guessing after the five years or whatever it is, um, he's able to leave. And he, you know, he, he drives off into the sunset with, uh, with his lady, Deborah, And it's just like a happy ending to, an otherwise sad story. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I, I just wanted to hear because that was more or less the way I felt when I came out of the theater. Um, there was something kind of like nagging in the back of my head where it's like, this is a little bit odd. Part of it's the complete shift in like tone and pace and the way it was, and like kinda, even kind of a little bit the way it was shot and. Part of it was, it was almost too syrupy, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, but he's a nice boy. And they definitely, that wasn't inconsistent with what they showed, right? Because right. they kept showing, we hijack a car because shit went downhill and you're not going to shoot her. We're not kidnapping the baby and using it as a hostage. We're giving the baby back to her. We see, you know, you knew that he felt bad, like we're going to hit this and the, the cashier looked... Like, like she was nice and you know so he tips her off or whatever even though it ends up busting the whole thing way the fuck open right and you know joseph's gonna come to bat for him and everything um and the little old lady with the with the with the purse or whatever and the and the the uh the woman at the post office too that was another great oh, thing the cashier the the post office oh, yeah, yeah. um so i in a way i was like okay yeah like i i get this like yeah like it's nice that all of them were willing to testify on that behalf but afterwards, I saw it was one of the, I saw you know some what someone had said about it. Um, someone who had reviewed the movie, and they were saying something along as how they thought it really cheapened the experience because it's like it almost felt like. And this was in this person's opinion. I, I forget where the review was. Um, otherwise, I would you know properly attribute it. But I, I, I didn't hold on to it. Um, basically, saying that it was like they felt it com- almost felt like the movie maker is like backtracked off of the idea of oh like he's a criminal but we spent all this time making you sympathetic to him so now we have to show you oh he's a good person even though like 
we had seen it or whatever, and then it felt kind of wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I have to say, like, I do kind of see that point. It does seem a little tacked on. But I, I still think it kind of works for me because he still did serve some time, and I think that that ultimately is kind of fair. And I, maybe I wouldn't yeah. feel that about every sort of – maybe it's because I spent two hours becoming attached to the character or the characters, right, where it's like you want to see that happy ending – um, and yeah, you you do think you know oh like he's a good person at heart even though he probably could have gotten out of the situation if he really stuck to his guns right he could have right. done the whole thing jump on I eighty or whatever it was and get out of here and never look back mm-hmm. but he didn't. he didn't do it right no he's also uh, like almost like he's looking for some way to repent but like half-heartedly looking yeah and so i mean from that standpoint i think that it does all work where it's like okay he goes and serves some time but he's not going to serve the full term because the the idea of locking up someone who admittedly where i'm saying like i think he could have quote-unquote like found a way to escape it all Mm -hmm. um he was in a tough situation when you consider that he's like a young, young man. Right. Right. So I, there, there should be some leniency to all of that. And having them vouch for the character does work to a certain sense, but I could see how someone would be off put by how it was done. Cause I felt a little unsettled watching it too. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I think that person did kind of get it where it was like, it seemed a little cheesy, I guess. I can, I see where the person's coming from. I don't agree with it. Yeah. I, I think ultimately, where I'll settle in is not agreeing with it totally, but that they're not completely wrong. Right. Well, it's a the uh, part of it. Um, this movie is a mixtape. Uh, it's a so like there's if you, if you ever watch How I Met Your Mother, Barney's character, uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character Barney, he has a get psyched mix, and he claims that a get psyched mix needs to be all rise. The music just keeps going up and up. And originally, he said he says that everybody thinks a real get psyched mix has a rise and a fall. A real get psyched mix does have a rise and a fall. This movie starts off; it warms you up with that opening scene, and then it's just like goes, 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 goes throughout this whole story that you're super invested in. And then at the very end, we get a nice little kind of taper off at the end, a little cool down. It's like a workout tape, <laughs> a little cool down towards <laughs> the end, and and it kind of just drifts off and into the credits and. You feel good. It was a fun. It was a fun. It was a good time the whole way through. Like it, I feel the way that the pacing and structure of the movie really does work with with a really solid mixtape, which is what the soundtrack of this movie is. Yeah, and it was cool how the very final thing, as the credits are starting to roll, is them playing. And I don't know the song, but I know that that was I had seen that that was the inspiration for it. And then they they do drive it back home. What that is that the name Baby Driver came from that Simon and Garfunkel song that they uh-huh. play at the end. I did think that was kind of a cool little like garnish at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you sit through the whole credits, they also play his his songs from the tapes. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we didn't stay. Um, you know, I usually don't stay unless it's one of the movies where I expect there to be a post credit thing. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I like to stay for the music. I I was I, I had a, I thought there might be something at the end of it the way that it that it was going. I'm, I'm glad there wasn't. I think it worked out really well. But um. Then once I was started listening to the music again throughout the credits, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'll sit here and listen to the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, I wasn't sure. I mean, he 
Wright really hasn't been the type of guy who like seems like he's setting any of his properties up to have sequels, but this is his first really big budget uh, movie, I think. Mm-hmm. He was originally tapped to do um, Ant-Man, right. but ended up not sticking around. I know he got like a writing credit or whatever. They used at least part of his story, and that was a weird breakup between him and Marvel, but this is really his first really big budget movie, I think, and you can understand why this movie's been a critical and um, box office success. You know, it's got it's resonated with fans, and you saw some people saying, oh, this is that movie that doesn't need a sequel that's eventually going to be made a sequel, and today I saw a story saying that Sony's pushing him, hey, can you make, do you think you can make a sequel uh, out of this? He said that I can, I, you know, during the making of this, of course I considered how or why or maybe, you know, what would go on with, and his idea was basically saying, like, too many sequels, like, oh, you have to reset and try and redo the formula. And it's like, for me, the I, the little nugget kernel of an idea that, like, you know, that uh, that maybe I would do is is how these experiences have changed him and hmm. his dealings in criminal life and stuff like that becoming more involved, not less type of thing. Not like, oh, you're caught and you have to do this whole thing. It's the, you know gone in 60 seconds type of thing or whatever, where it's like, you know, oh, you're, you know, he's against the clock or it's against some dead or this and that, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I just, I don't want to see a sequel to this movie. I don't either. I think this this movie is a total story that, you know, that there's no reason for the, if the, the whole idea is that he leaves prison prison and they get on the road and they, they leave everything behind, there should not be a sequel to it. Yeah, they ride off into the sunset. Yeah, and they and literally the, ride off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, literally and metaphorically. I mean, there there shouldn't be anything that they're beholden to. Doc is dead, uh, Buddy is dead, Darling's dead, Bats is dead. There's no one who was important um, unless Griff survived. John Bernthal's character, which you know, when the last time we see him, he says, "If you guys don't see me in the next few days, I'm dead." Right. And we don't see him again. Right. Exactly. He's dead. So there shouldn't <laughs> be anything that ties him back. Exactly. That's a really that's a funny line that is so that is so put there for somebody to be really paying attention to. You're like, oh yeah, he's totally dead. He's gone. Yeah, <laughs> we don't see him again. Oh, it's been weeks. Okay. Otherwise, he would have been probably been in that second crew. It would have been bats, him, and the guy with no nose. What was his name? No nose. No nose. Nose. <laughs> Wait, was that what he said? Something like that. Like he was he was no nose, and then he was the nose. Something. But if you look at him, it looks like his nose was bit off and sewed back on. <laughs> I guess I didn't notice. Was that Flea or was that um, was that the uh, the other guy? The uh, I don't know if he was Korean or Chinese or uh, Flea. Flea. Yeah, I don't remember. I do like the whole thing. I forgot about that actually until just now. The uh, um, the guy JD um, played by uh, Lanny June. Um, the the tattoo on his neck. Why do you have a tattoo that says hat? <laughs> well, I used to say hate, but I found that I had trouble with employment. Oh, How's that about now? now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this movie is just full of fun. Like here, like here's the thing: if you watch this movie and you're not entertained, I probably don't agree with you on movies. You're doing movies wrong. Yeah, and just that being said, Brian, writer of the uh, of the Spinchoon. I'm going to go ahead and guess that he doesn't like this movie because me and him tend to not agree on movies. Really? We'll have to have him in, have him weigh in. 
You're gonna, make me, not, to see it. You're gonna make me not like Brian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, one quick thought I had, well, actually, I didn't really thought about it during the movie or anything. It was really as we were kind of prepping and and we didn't talk about this before. It was just kind of gestating in my mind. And as we're talking about this, how would you feel about Edgar Wright doing one of the Star Wars stories? Hmm. I don't think it works. See, it's funny because actually, I mean, obviously it can't happen now, but if we'd had this conversation and the timeline was different, mm -hmm. um, I actually think he would be really good for the Han Solo movie. I I don't know because I, his style like there's a there's a certain style to Star Wars movies, and he has his own style, and I don't think that they mix. Well, I guess that's the speculation somewhat about why Lord and Miller didn't work, right? Um, but I mean, he wouldn't be able to make the same exact type of movie, and part of even the reason that I even thought about it was you noticed that that baby was wearing. An outfit that made him look like Han Solo, right? Mm -hmm. it got the. It wasn't a vest over a white shirt. It was a, uh, a, a like a zip up jacket that looked like the black yeah. vest over white shirt that like Han wears. Mm -hmm. Wars. Um, <laughs> Han <laughs> wars. Han wars. <laughs> the title. Yeah, of it's that, not the Han Solo. Star film. Wars story. It's not Star Wars. It's Han wars. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know because uh, there was a couple of little things during the movie that made me think like. There is a Star Wars universe movie, not one of the titled episodes, you know, and not Rogue One because of that war movie, but I feel like there could be a movie, he'd have to pull out, he couldn't do his thing with music in it, right? Where he's got the right. music, because this is the movie that it was the most so, but all of Edgar Wright's movies, music is kind of central to what's going on, at least in segments of the movie. Yeah, uh, like something like Scott Pilgrim, you know, um, obviously, you know, Sean and Debbie talking about like with, with Queen playing in the bar, all that sort of stuff. Um, or like World's End when they're walking down the street and they're playing the, the next whiskey bar, you know, with the doors, you know what I mean? Like there's always, he always has that aspect and they, they wouldn't be able to do that thing, obviously, with a Star Wars movie. But if you take that off the table, there's a lot of things that, I, that I've seen that I, I feel like he could find a way to make a compelling Star Wars story, one of those spinoff movies um, and you highlighting the scene with them coming down in the elevator together, for some reason that kind of reminded me of me, like, that's something that, like, could have pulled out of, like, A New Hope when they're, when, like, Han, Chewie, and, and Luke are, like, heading to the prison block. Mm -hmm. Like, the, I don't know why, it just had a weird parallel in my mind. Like, there's just some shots and there's some of the way that these characters, like, inter, like, mingle that... Yeah, I, I get, feel like he could make a weird, interesting Star Wars. I get Wars what story. you're saying, I he, and he probably could, but I feel like he would be held back because he would have to stick to the format to some degree. Yeah, and I and I don't want him to hold back. I want to see his movies. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely true, and I, and I do think as much as you're saying, I don't like the whole thing about the format and him not matching with the format, and that there's a format to a Star Wars movie that you have to adhere to. I wonder how true that is going forward. I think that that whole format thing is going to be very true of the episode number whatever sure. movies. Mo I mean, 
Rogue One still fits with a lot of the format of Star Wars stuff, but it's still very different in other ways. Mm-hmm. And I expect even with Ron Howard taking over and redoing a lot of, and I'm sure some of what Lord Miller did will make it into the movie. They can't scrap all of it. Right. Um, I, I think that that movie will even further distance itself from that quote-unquote format of Star Wars stuff. So I, I think that a, a director like Wright could exist in there, whether or not he absolutely would exist, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would be interested. I would I would love to see what would come out of that, but I don't want to see... I wouldn't want to see him held back from doing something the way that he wants to, because especially after seeing this movie, I love how this movie plays out. Oh, true. But I also think that for like someone like him taking on that project, like, he has to know that I can't just throw some 80s song into a Star Wars right. movie. Right. But do you, you think I mean? that he would take on the project, knowing that he wouldn't be able to do it exactly his way? I don't know how I, he is. I have no idea. I don't know the man. Yeah. Um, and I don't know enough about his tendencies yet. I mean, he's been making movies for some time now, but he, it's really like we're talking about a resume of now about five or six movies, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, Ron Howard is... A really big name. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams is a really big name, and they got to make they're getting to or got to make the movies that they wanted to make. Ryan Johnson is kind of young and new in this whole thing, but like like a movie like Looper, I didn't see, but the way I hear people talk about it, like that's his movie. He's mm-hmm. an auteur, right? So Lord and Miller couldn't exist, but Ryan Johnson's saying he fucking loved doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I don't know. Is it just is it just that you they, they're going to be restrictive of what you want to do, or is it could they not handle it? Was it the, was it's their personality possible. clash? You know what I mean. That was some of the stuff you've seen that it's it's unsourced, uh, well not sources, anonymous sources with the whole Lord and Miller exit. A bunch of people were saying it's not that they're bad at making movies, it's just they've never made something on this scale, and I don't think they were able to properly handle that workflow. Right. So I don't know. I just feel like there's, there could be an interesting, compelling movie that Edgar Wright can make in the Star Wars universe. And if you told me he's getting, you know, he's signing on to make X Star Wars movie, whatever that be, I feel like I'd be really excited hearing that. I would be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was looking through the pictures of the, I was looking through the Baby Driver gallery on IMDb to look for that. There's like a perfect scene I was looking for where you, like, with that getup that where he looks like Han Solo. Yeah. And it's the scene where he's sitting at the table and he's got his sunglasses on and he's drumming on the table. And he's got like the sweater that's black on the front and, and back and like the white sleeves. Like and he looks just like him. The collar is almost identical. Like it's really it's really funny. But as I was doing that, I also saw the scene of the Michael Myers mask and remembered how funny that scene was. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> that was great. No, <laughs> oh, that was good. You got the mask? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is this? It's Austin Powers. It's supposed to be Mike Miles the ser- Mike Myers the serial killer. Oh, Jason. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So silly. Alright. Any other uh, topics you want to touch on here? No, I think that's good for me. I think we yeah. uh I think this is a pretty damn good one if yeah, I say I'm I, I enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week's Flicks in the Six Spin Tune production. 
Check out SpinTune.com to catch a new episode every Monday and a new article every Thursday. Sorry we missed last week because of the holiday. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can reach us at TheSpinTune on Twitter and Facebook or email TheSpinTune at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-S-P-I-N-C-H-O-O-N at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.